This is Coochie's Corner Podcast, hosted by Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chief's Corner, and on TikTok at Crew Chief's Corner. And now on the Anchor Podcasting Network at anchor.fm and the Anchor app. All right, everybody, this is Bobby Bailey here at the Coochie's Corner Podcast, bringing you another episode here. And uh, do apologize. I was trying to do an episode last week, but, uh, you know, as as uh, I think it's Murphy's Law that says it, anything that can and will go wrong will go wrong or something like that to that effect. But uh, we, we uh, had an episode all lined up. I was going to do one on, on Friday morning, and then, unfortunately, uh, duty calls and I had to go into my real world job. So uh, I had to go do that. And uh, the next opportunity to do the show was not going to be until today. Anyhow. So uh, we kind of missed, you know, a lot of the the big news last week. So we'll get you guys all caught up on all the stuff that happened with silly season. Who's going where, what's, ha- what's happening. Uh, I tried to delay the episode until Friday because um, when I found out the Clint Boyer story that Clint was retiring, I didn't want to record the episode that night. I could have uh, recorded it Thursday evening, but I decided to hold off because that's when Boyer announced that he was retiring. And I was kind of hoping we were going to find out if it was Briscoe, if it was Larson uh, over the weekend. And then obviously we really don't have a, an exact answer. I think it's going to be Briscoe, uh, but we'll talk about that. And then um, we'll get you guys caught up on the on the uh, races at Talladega. I know a lot of people wanted to hear my opinions on what happened with Denny Hamlin. We'll talk about NASCAR's consistently inconsistent rulings when it comes to the yellow, the double yellow line, and also why I don't personally agree with those that want to get rid of the double yellow line rule. I will take a trip down memory lane. We will uh, kind of go back and look at why I think the rule still needs to be in effect. I'll be the the contrarian to all these media heads that want to say it's time to get rid of the double yellow line. I think the racing would actually suffer if we went back to the old way, and I'll explain to you guys why later. And we'll also talk about the Roval. Did NASCAR make the right decision in running the Xfinity race in a downpour? I know a lot of people had some differing opinions on that. I will give you my take on that as well. And uh, we'll we'll look ahead. We'll look ahead to Kansas. We have a uh, exciting race weekend at Kansas. All the entry list uh, magically came out this morning at 9:30. So I have all that stuff on the site. You can uh, go back and look at um, the past race results. From this past weekend, I have Xfinity and Cup up there as well. So check us out on our social media, on the Facebook and all that stuff. You guys know how to follow, find us pretty much if you found uh, the YouTube and the Twitch pages. And uh, for those of you that are listening to this podcast, you can watch it live. Now, I, I do forewarn everybody, I don't necessarily commit to a, a time publicly that I'm doing this episode. Um, but what I try to do is I try to give you guys at least a 15 to 30 minute heads up when it is coming. And I post the links directly to the live streams. So you can watch us on Twitch. It's twitch.tv, um, the slash there, the, the backslash. And then it's Giants, spelt just like the football team. 02122, you can catch me on there. Uh, unfortunately, that doesn't record me for whatever reason. I've tried hitting the record button on OBS. It just doesn't record. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and play with it. Um, and then you can watch us on YouTube as well. Just search Crew Chief's Corner. You can find the page, subscribe to it. And anytime we do go live, you will get notified. And I do try to schedule the YouTube uh, recordings so that at least you guys will get notified that I'm planning on going live in 15 minutes or whatever. And uh, we'll go from there. 
So on the other side of this break, uh, we will come back and we will discuss the news because I know the silly season news is what everybody's going to look for in this episode. The race stuff we'll talk about later on. So if you're looking for the Talladega Charlotte uh, segment, you're going to probably have to give me about 15, 20 minutes in the podcast. We will talk about the 2021 news and then we'll do the race recaps right after that. So stay with us here on the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Bobby Bailey. This is the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast that you can, like I said, listen to uh, live on Twitch and on YouTube. So find us on those social media platforms as well as Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, um, Twitter. We're, we're basically everywhere you can find a social media presence we are on so uh check that out and obviously if you're listening to the podcast make sure you tell your friends we're available pretty much on most major platforms i would say uh at this point in time so you can uh, listen along to this episode along with all the previous ones that we had so that's my little advert i'll get out of the way uh and we'll jump right into the news so a crazy week for 2021 news you know i think the first question we we got answered was the matt d benedetto question and Listen, I, I said it for, for weeks. I personally didn't think uh, D. Benedetto was coming back to the 21. I really didn't think that was going to be uh, a possibility. I, I just, you know, there was a lot of things that were pointing to Austin Sindrick. And, you know, Austin's got, I think, five wins this year in Xfinity. Um, you know, he's he's going to be a title contender. Whether or not he wins this championship or not, I don't really think is going to impact his ability to get promoted. Uh, at least that's what I thought initially. Um, and then we found out that there was actually two, there was, there was two drops of news in the, in the same morning. So the first drop of news was that Matt D. Benedetto is, is being brought back to the 21 for 2021, which is all indications of a great move for, for all parties. You know, I think this is, um, the result that most Matt D fans wanted was Matt to be back in that car. Um, I think Matt himself wanted to really be back in that car. Um, you know, he didn't want to be in his third seat within three years. I mean, that that's kind of tough on a on a driver that's trying to prove himself and and still trying to prove himself. You know, I think a lot of people forget that, you know, four or five years ago, Matt D. Benedetto was driving the 23 car. Uh, I mean, not the 23. He was driving the 83 over at BK Racing and, and struggling to finish, you know, 20th most weeks. Um, and, and, you know, he had a couple – he had that run at Bristol, that sixth-place finish at Bristol. Uh, I think it's now three, four years ago. And that really started turning some heads. And he's just been a guy that a lot of people have, have always taken an interest in. But I just don't know if he's ever been that guy that someone's like, oh, I'm going to go take a chance. And then, you know, you got the 95 seat. Um, you know, I mean, well, let's let's go in order. He, he went from the 83 to the 32. He turned some heads in the 32. He had some good runs with those guys over at GoFast. And then he parlayed that into the 95 ride. Uh, you know, at Levine family racing. And he had some good runs going with those guys too. You know, he had a couple of really good runs on, on, on uh, the plate tracks. You know, he had a great run at the Daytona 500 in uh, I think that was 2018 and, and really proved himself. Um, or uh, I'm sorry, I was 2019. He, he really proved himself in 2019 at that Daytona 500. And he had some other decent runs for, for those guys and, and just really, uh, you know, made the case that, you know, he was an actual talent that needed to get a seat, not just a guy that's a, a seat filler that jumped up the cup because, you know, he couldn't get a, an Xfinity ride or something like that, you know? Uh, so then he gets to 21 this year 
and, you know, by all indications, you know, has not had the season that I think he would have thought he was going to have. And what I mean by that is, yeah, the, those, the, the Wood Brothers made the playoffs. It's the first time they've ever made the playoffs as a team uh, because they've, you know, they just, they've, you know, haven't run full time enough um, over, over the last several years as it is. Um, you know, and Paul Menard wasn't, wasn't making the playoffs with them, you know, his, his one season with the organization. And I think you look at that before then Ryan Blaney was still kind of a raw on the rawer side of things in his cup career. And I think, uh, most Ryan Blaney fans would agree with that, that Ryan kind of came up and, and didn't really get that full Xfinity season under his belt. Like I think most people would have liked him to have, but I think because he was such a, a talent and such a, a commodity at the, at Penske and they were looking at, at the future over there. And, and what are we going to do uh, down the road here at team Penske? I think that uh, Blaney just kind of got thrusted into the future and, and they really didn't have the opportunity to put him in a full-time Xfinity ride. I mean, when you, when you kind of go back and revisit some of the history there, uh, Blaney, you know, was driving with discount tire and discount tire really wanted the cup guys in those cars. They really liked Brad Keselowski. They really liked Joey Logano. Um, so those guys got a lot of opportunities to drive that car and Blaney was kind of like the fill in and, you know, then they would bring in, you know, AJ Amendinger, or they brought in uh, Jacques Villeneuve or some of these other road racing guys to fill in the road course races. So Blaney didn't get a ton of opportunities to go run the Xfinity car. You know, he didn't get the, the opportunity to run full time like Austin Sindrick got this year. Uh, and that took a lot of convincing of, of what I understand. It took a lot of convincing on the sponsors to let Sindrick run full time. Uh, in that car, you know, a couple years ago, you know, and I think that uh, Austin has had two really successful seasons. You know, he he won his first race last year uh, out at Mid Ohio on a road course, which I think a lot of people kind of looked at as, you know, that's what you where you figured he was going to win. You know, Austin's background is sports car racing. He's done a lot of road racing in his background, and you know, now we've seen him win on ovals. So now he's kind of taking his career and making that next step. He's making that transition uh, even better into NASCAR. So I think, you know, Austin Sindrick, um, hearing the news that he's going to be back in Xfinity for next year, you know, this is basically his opportunity to win this championship. I, by all indications, Chase Briscoe should be in Cup next year. So that takes away a car that he has to compete with every single week. Now, what Stuart Haas does with the Xfinity program is basically up in the air. We don't know exactly what's going to happen. There's been a lot of rumors about it. There's been some rumors that it's getting shut down. There's been some rumors in the past that Ryan Priest is going to go there. There were some rumors that maybe there's another driver that's that's hanging around that they're going to put in that car. I, I We really don't know. And, and that's been kind of the wild card in the silly season news. And then Cindric, after he finishes Xfinity next year, is going to go to the 21 uh, of the Wood Brothers and driving cup in 2022. So he'll get uh, so limited cup starts this season, driving for Team Penske and a fourth car. And then he will move over to the Wood Brothers and drive their car full-time in 2022. Now, what does that mean for Matt D. Benedetto? I have no idea. You know, for 2022, I mean, there's there's a lot of things. I know somebody already asked Bob Pockers, and he was just joking. He's like, you know, he could go to the one or the two or the, the three, the six, the 20, you know. He was coming up with all these different car numbers um, that don't have seat, you know, that don't have drivers for 2022 yet. Um, you know, and he was just making jokes about that. So, you know, you don't know. Um, I, I don't think it's a slam dunk that he would be thrown into a team Penske car. Uh, I know there was some chatter that maybe they don't bring Brad, uh, Brad Keselowski back. You know, maybe that's where Matty D ends up. Maybe they make a fourth car for Matty D 
over at Penske. I'm not really sure how that's all going to work out. Um, I do think putting uh, Cindric in the 21, as as I've said before, I think I thought was the way they were going to go anyhow. I thought that that would kind of skirt the whole uh, nepticism thing with with uh, his father being in charge over at Penske, uh, being you know a president of that company, uh, at least of the race team. And, uh, you know, that would kind of circumvent some of those things or, or, or at least the appearance of he's just got a seat because of his dad. Uh, but I think you've seen it this year that Austin's got the talent. Now, if you bring back in Cole Custer, you bring back in Christopher Bell, uh, you know, and kind of complete the big three that we had last year, does Austin Cendrick win all those races? I don't really think so. But we'll see what happens when once he uh, loses uh, Briscoe this year at the end of this season and Briscoe gets his cup seat. I really do believe that uh, it, it's going to be Austin Cindric's championship to lose next year. And uh, that will be the true testament of whether this kid is actually um, how he's going to perform in cup. And in, in my opinion, you know, cause when you're one of the top drivers in a series uh, like the Xfinity series, it, this is, there is a lot of cup teams that are in this. I mean, yes, there's not as many as there used to be, but this is going to be the upper echelon of of drivers right now is going to be Austin Cindric. It's going to be uh, Justin Algaier, Noah Gregson, um, you know, and and you're going to see Harrison Burton's going to take that next step up. Uh, there's been some rumors about you know Brandon Jones might be going Cup racing next year uh, for the Gaunt brothers, and and that could be a possible kind of uh, JGR Alliance team too next year. Uh, so so with everything we're seeing. It looks like the Xfinity series is going to go through another kind of like transition into the next group of drivers. And I do believe that you're going to see, you know, Cindric's going to be one of the elder statesmen in this series. If it is true that you lose Brandon Jones, you lose uh, Chase Briscoe. Uh, Cindric is going to be probably looking at his cup seat uh, and daydreaming about it a little bit. And that's, that's going to be the thing is does, Austin Cindric has his eyes on the prize that's going to be in front of him and how much does already knowing where you're going in 2022 affect his ability to win this championship next year. So things to look at, but I think on, on both sides of the equation, when you get back to D Benedetto and Cindric, that these are good moves that Penske made. I, I do believe that this was a compromise uh, by all indications. They, they were going to actually let Matt go. Uh, but they decided at the last minute to pick up that contract extension, give him that that second year in the 21, and really give him an opportunity to prove himself to other team owners and possibly Roger himself that he deserves a cup seat in a top-performing race car. So we'll see what happens. Um, but wish Matt D all the best of luck, and, and we'll see what happens with Austin Cindric in 2022. Now, the other piece of news that kind of correlates with all this is the Clint Boyer retirement. We will get to Daniel Suarez in a, mo in a moment. Um, you know, Boyer retiring, I, I mean, we've been calling this for months. I, I don't think this is a, a shock to anybody. I don't think this is something that uh, you would sit here today and say, wow, Bobby, this is, this is breaking. You know, this is a big story. You know, nobody knew about it. I know Clint just made his mind up, but I think his mind was made up for him a long time ago. Um, I, I definitely don't see there being a reason why Stuart Haas would bring him back in the sense that when you have a talent like a Chase Briscoe um, at your, at your, at your disposal um, and you have a cup team in, in, in Boyer that hasn't really won a lot of races and you look at how successful Kevin Harvick has been 
um, you know, you do look over your shoulders a little bit. And I, and I think the, the, the fair assessment is that Boyer, you know, this year has, has kind of had a rotten luck year. You know, he hasn't had his best season. Uh, I think even by his standards, he hasn't had his best season. Um, you know, he made the playoffs. Um, you know, we saw a great drive by him, you know, last night in the, uh, in the race at the Roval, despite all the, the, the accidents that he was in and all that stuff, a valiant effort, uh, for Clinton. And you can see him after the race, just physically, uh, drained after driving that car with no power steering. But, uh, at the end of the day, Clint has decided to call a career at the end of the season. Uh, just as we all speculated, he's going to go into the Fox sports booth. He's going to be joining Jeff Gordon and Mike joy in the booth. So, uh, a good, a good thing for Clint. I think this is uh, a big win for everybody. I think this is, is this is exactly what uh, Chase Briscoe needed. He needed there to be a door that was going to be open for him to drive a cup car. Uh, it sounded more and more like the 32 kind of has gone to Kaz Gralla uh, for 2021. And it seemed like there's going to be some kind of, um, you know, that would have been the only opportunity for, for Briscoe to get a cup seat, you know, with Stuart Haas's if Boyer retired. And it seemed like that did happen. So, I do believe that as much as maybe some people are going to tell you that Clint kind of made this decision on his own, I do think that this um, also came as part of the negotiation tactics that were going on at Stewart Haas Racing. I, I, I do believe that, um, you know, they, they probably, um, without a lot of information leaking out from there, but uh, I, I do believe that there was some kind of a, a sponsorship thing or something that they tried to say that, um, you know, Clint, you got to come up with more money. And I think Clint is, is at the point in his career where maybe chasing the money isn't, isn't in the, in the cards anymore for him. Maybe he's just like, you know, I'm sick of this. Let the, you know, they're going to put, you know, Briscoe in this car, let them put the kid in the car. I, I'm, I'm done, done dealing with all this stuff. So I think Clint's just, uh, you know, moving on from this chapter of his life and he's going to go on to the uh, Fox sports booth and uh, be very, very entertaining to watch him and Jeff kind of uh, talking each week uh, about the races. And uh, I think we'll have, we'll have a really good uh, three person booth once again for Fox in uh, 2021. And I, I can't wait because I want to see now what happens when Harvick retires in a couple of years, you know, what are they going to do? You know, does Jeff actually, you know, think about this. Could Jeff actually step away in a couple of years from doing broadcasting and concentrate on Hendrick on his own, and then they bring in Harvick to replace Jeff. So we'll, we'll see, but I think there's a lot of things to be looked at for that down the road. But, um, you know, sad sad day for Clint, obviously. I know any athlete that decides to retire, it's a, it's a tough deal for them. You know, it's it's what they put their heart and soul into. You know, you look at uh, even, even, you know, football players, basketball players, you know, even if you're not the greatest at, at what you do, um, you know, you they all work really hard at it. They all try to be the the best that they can be. And uh, when you realize that, um, you know, you just just don't have that same drive anymore. It's it's time to step away. And I think that's what Boyer has realized as well. So the other news that came out was obviously the Trackhouse team. So Trackhouse is a um, a new team that's getting started up by Justin Marks. Uh, the name might sound familiar to a lot of you out there. Justin uh, drove in the truck series. He drove in uh, the Xfinity series. He won at Mid-Ohio in the rain. Uh, Justin also has driven some cup races. And uh, Justin's done quite well for himself. He's also a, a, a sports car, race car driver. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff like an MSO and whatnot. So uh, Justin has quite a diverse racing background. He also owns uh, or is a partner of the Go Motor uh, 
uh, motorplex over there in uh, Charlotte. It's a go-kart track that uh, it's a, it's a professional grade go-kart track. This isn't like your, your, uh, you know, boardwalk uh, go-kart racetrack. This is a, an actual like um, professional one that you would, you would run if you were, you know, doing the world karting association or something like that. Um, you know, that, that's the level of that complex. Um, and it's, and it's quite a, uh, it's quite a facility and Justin's involved in that. Uh, so Justin's going to start a cup team. It's a one car team. They're going to be basically embedded at RCR. Um, but they're going to be managed by their own folks. Ty Norris, uh, formerly of Dale Earnhardt Incorporated and formerly of Michael Walter Bracing is going to be the vice president of the team. And they have hired Daniel Suarez as their driver of the number 99 Chevrolet starting at Daytona in February, 2021. What I make of the move, honestly, I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> I said Daniel Heimer for Suarez. I mean, this is really a, a grasp to stick to, to stay in cup. Um, you know, obviously he hurt his stock pretty big in my opinion, when he, he took this deal at Gaunt brothers this year. Um, I think he threw a lot of opportunities away to run a top tier Xfinity ride. Um, the numbers I know didn't match up in uh, in a bid to drive a third car at Childress, uh, but essentially this is going to be a third car, um, but somebody else is paying for it out of Childress's stable. So uh, I guess this is this is the opportunity that he originally probably could could have had with RCR, except um, it's not dr- driving for the team directly. It's driving for Justin Marks, who's going to be buying stuff from Childress and uh, being embedded there. I think this is a great move for Childress. I think this kind of picks up the slack of, of them uh, building equipment for Jermaine, which is closing at season's end, and the charter is going over to the new Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin team. So I think that helps out uh, Childress. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, I really think this is a grasp at the straws for Suarez to try to stay relevant and try to keep himself out there. I don't know if this is going to parlay into a bigger opportunity for him with another organization for 2022, but at least for 2021, he's going to be driving this 99 car and we'll see what kind of speed they have. I mean, I, I just, I, we're going to hold, hold our thoughts on that. I mean, you know, I think that the RCR team has shown a lot of promise uh, the last few uh, races, uh, definitely in the playoffs with Austin. Uh, you've seen him run his best races at a lot of these places, uh, the last few events. So I think that that's something that if you're Daniel Suarez, you're looking forward to, and you're hoping that that can translate into your brand new team. Uh, but it's going to depend on the people they hire, you know, to, to work on the cars, uh, you know, at the track, you know, their, their road crew. It's also going to depend on the pit crew guys they get. Do they get RCR guys um, or who do they hire? It's also going to depend a lot on, on you know, engineering and, and some of the other stuff that it will take to run this cup car, um, you know, because you can get all the stuff from from Hendrick for crying out loud, but there is always that 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 possibility that you're not going to run as good as the Hendrick cars are, you know. Uh, I think you can look at case in point, you know, with some of these teams that have run Hendrick Motorsports uh, engines over the years. You know, you look at Ganassi is is run you know, Hendrick, you know, power plants and, and you look at Matt Kenseth and, and Kurt Busch, I mean, Kurt's got to win, but Matt struggled this year, you know, and I think a lot of that has to do with the car. I don't think that necessarily has to do with the engine, but you know, sometimes the parts and the pieces are just a part of the equation and not the full equation as some people make it out to be. So we'll see how Suarez ends up, but 
Uh, by all indications, I think Briscoe's in the 14. Uh, we still got to find out what's going on with Eric Jones. Apparently, he has said he's going to solidify his 2021 plans this week. That doesn't mean we're going to get an announcement, uh, but we'll we'll find out where he's going to go. Um, so it sounds like he's going to solidify his plans. Trevor Bain's going to be in the in the trucks for the rest of this year. So um, we'll see if that means he's going to be back full time next year in trucks uh, for Nice, um, which is pretty much what the indication has been that I've heard is that he's going to try to work out a deal to, to stay in that 45 truck next season, um, which I think would be good. I mean, I don't think Trevor really ever planned on just going away and just making coffee in Knoxville, Tennessee. I don't think that was ever his uh, ambition. I think he kind of got pushed out of the sport by uh, by the, the lack of funding coming out of AdvoCare um, and, and their you know random decision to leave NASCAR. Uh, based on a lot of things, I'm sure. Um, but you know, he was basically forced out of this sport, you know, because of sponsorship. So, uh, we'll see, uh, Trevor come back into, uh, into the truck series, I believe next year, um, full time, which would be a, a good thing for the series. I think that, that getting a guy who's won a Daytona 500 and is, you know, still, I think widely regarded as someone that has talent that can drive these cars, for a living and, and win races. So we'll see uh, Trevor, I think in the, in the 45 truck full-time next season. Uh, I think that's what Al Nice is working towards. Again, we don't know what happened with Ty Majeski. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know if sponsorship fell through or what the heck happened over there, but um, you know, I think Ty is uh, going to go back and running some late model stuff for a bit. I think he's kind of done with the NASCAR scene for a little bit. Um, and we'll see, we'll see what happens, but um, nothing else crazy to report. You know, I think we're going to find some stuff out this week as the week progresses. We'll find out some more deals. Um, I know that track house has the third charter that Spire acquired, uh, basically of, of what, I mean, listen, we've heard all kinds of things with this, this Spire charter. Um, you know, we heard that it was the 37, then Todd, uh, Tad and Jody, uh, you know, G come out and say, basically it's not that it's not that charter because they own the charter. But then there were some rumors that Todd, Todd Braun owned it. I, you guys, we have no idea. I, I just, we'll, we'll find out what charter they buy, uh, what they bought and what's getting leased out to uh track house. I have no idea, but it wouldn't surprise me if Todd, Todd Braun secretly has a charter somehow. And that is the charter that's actually going over to, um, uh, Spire. It wouldn't surprise me at this point in time. But I know the 37. I thought the 37 bought the chart, one of the charters from Front Row, uh, Furniture Row. I thought they bought the 77 charter like two years ago. That's why when they were saying Todd Braun was somehow involved in it, I said, how does that work out? Because Todd, as far as I knew, Todd had, um, I, I mean, I don't know if Todd had any piece of, of, of Harry's team or he bought the charter because I'm, I'm, I'm like trying to think of where the heck the 15 charter went. You know, from when Boyer was driving the 15, and then they, there was a 46, uh, H. Scott. You know, I was trying to think of where all the hell those charters ended up. And uh, I agree with some of the fans out there. We need a chart, you know, just so we could keep track of who, whose charters is whose, you know, who who leased it, who bought it. You know, I, I, you know this is craziness. So NASCAR's got to do a better job with that. But uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take another break. On the other side of this break, we were going to talk about um, what happened at Talladega. And Charlotte, I'll try to compress it into one episode, I mean, into one segment, and then we will look ahead in a future segment 
which will come after the race recap. We will talk about Kansas and what to look for at Kansas. So we'll catch you on the other side of the break. This is the Crew Cheese Corner Podcast, hosted by Bobby Bailey. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. This is Bobby Bailey, and now we're going to bring you the uh, basically the last two races in the round of 12 race recaps. So we had Talladega. Um, we had all three series at Talladega for the first time in the fall. Normally, Xfinity uh, does not race Talladega in the fall, but because of coronavirus and the uh, limits on some of the tracks that we could go to, they decided to run uh, Talladega as a makeup race for one of the events. I forget even which one it is. So um, that was the only real schedule change to the playoffs. As far as the Xfinity series was concerned, there was no changes to the playoffs for the cup cars. And I believe there was only one change to the uh, trucks, um, which has already been taken care of. Uh, they weren't going to run um, uh, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. So that's why they ran the Daytona road course instead. So, um, and then they just, it just moved some of the dates around, which is why, uh, I think the race at Talladega was actually called the Chevrolet Silverado 250 was because that was the entitlement sponsor that should have been for, uh, uh, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, but they just moved it to, uh, Talladega for that race to, to just cover that event up. And, um, Chevrolet still had their, their, uh, sponsorship and all that. So, uh, money, you know, taken. <laughs> so anyhow, the truck race at Talladega was kind of, uh, nutty as it always is. Um, you know, uh, I just, uh, you know, another one of those events, you know, I, I didn't watch the whole thing live, but, uh, Raphael Lessart gets the win. Um, you know, good run by those guys over at KBM, a big, big first career win for him. Um, but you know, just, just, uh, another whole hum Talladega race, really, you know, there were some, some moments there in the trucks where, uh, you know, some guys did some, some stupid stuff, but it wasn't the Arca breaks race that I really thought it was going to be. Um, and, and if you don't know what Arca breaks means, just go, go on Twitter and search Arca breaks. You can find all kinds of fun tweets on that. So, uh, you know, it just, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be the Xfinity race, uh, for Talladega was pretty crazy. You know, I really wanted our, our guy over there, Ryan Sieg. If you're watching the uh, the podcast recording on YouTube and Twitch, you just saw I pointed to the hat. Really wanted our boy Ryan Sieg to get that win. Uh, he was he was in contention. You know, he finished uh, third that uh, actually second because they disqualified Michael Annette's car um, because of ride heights at the end of the race. But I really thought Ryan Sieg was going to win that race. Uh, you know, coming to the checkered flag, but he didn't, and. Uh, you know, Briscoe got the win. So those things happened. I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, Briscoe drove a great race though, you know, and considering he didn't have Cindric for part of that as a pusher, I mean, um, I'm sorry, Justin Haley won. <laughs> I say Briscoe, uh, Briscoe ran into the wall, but I mean, Justin Haley got the win Uh big win for those guys. I do apologize. I know I just blundered and said Briscoe won, but uh big win for Justin Haley, you know, three wins in a row. He puts himself in the same uh, category or the same list as Dale senior Dale jr. For winning three, Xfinity plate races in a row. Uh, so a pretty special uh, list to be on for Justin Haley. Anytime you put your your name on a list with the Earnhardts at a restrictor plate track, it's a pretty damn uh, good thing that you did. So big win for, for Justin, moved him on to the next round. Uh, and like I said, really did help Ryan Sieg 
um, solidify his chances to make in the next round. Uh, Cause sure as hell, we know he needed it after Saturday. So um, then we get to the cup race. I mean, the cup race, I, I know the finish, everybody was mad about it. Everybody was mad about it. I mean, listen, NASCAR is consistently inconsistent. Okay. Now, I remember the double yellow line rule when it came out. Okay. NASCAR came up with it. I mean, yeah, Dale's death had something to do with it, but, um, it was something that NASCAR had, had been really looking at for years. Um, is the amount of times guys would drive below yellow line and, and, and cause accidents. And it was predominantly on the straightaways. You never really saw guys drive below the yellow line in corners because of the, 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 you know, the bottom, it wasn't the splitters. It was basically the, the, the bottom of the cars, uh, you know, were basically sealed to the ground. Even, even in the, the late nineties, early two thousands, they were sealing these things off to the ground pretty tightly. So, you know, you, you would screw up the front, you know, valances and, and screw up the, you know, the radiator pans and a lot of the stuff underneath the car that made these cars aer- aerodynamically slick and, and made these cars drive really fast. Um, so, by running onto the apron in the corners, you, you just, you were screwing the car up so much that, that the guys just didn't chance it. Now, in light of, you know, Dale's accident at, at Daytona and some other accidents, guys flipping and, and stuff like that, they came up with the, 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 the double yellow line rule. And basically you can't go below it. Now, originally it was, you couldn't go below it at all. And they're really, you know, they really kind of were inconsistent with it. In 2008, there was a race that Regan Smith and Tony Stewart were racing in. It was actually Tony Stewart's last win at uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, Bullier and I. He was driving the subway car. And uh, basically, NASCAR judged that Regan Smith uh, went below the yellow line to make the pass on Tony Stewart to win the race on the last lap. But what NASCAR didn't do back then, and they do now, is they use their judgment if a driver forces the other driver below the yellow line, then the driver that gets penalized is not the guy that went below the yellow line. It's the guy that forced you below the yellow line. So if you apply the 2020 rules to the, the 2008 race, technically Tony Stewart should have been disqualified and Regan Smith should have won that race. And if you ask most NASCAR fans, Regan Smith did win that race in 2008. So, uh, and boy, what, what I mean, that would have changed... I don't know if it would change Regan's career that much, in all honesty, because I think sponsorship uh, was still going to be a problem for twenty, you know, two thousand and nine, and I think he still would have moved on to front row. I mean, furniture row racing and all that, but I think it definitely would have increased his stock quite a bit uh, if he won that race that day uh, for Regan. That would have been a big win for him, um, and then you know the Southern Five Hundred would have just pushed him even further over the top, and I think that really would have catapulted his racing career even further, but. Hard to say. Um, and then I think you look at other, other examples, such as Justin Haley in the Xfinity race at, at Daytona, you know, a couple years ago. Uh, another moment where I think Justin, you know, really was trying to go for, for the win and, and just had nowhere else to go. And he kind of got forced in the, into that spot. So, again, another spot where NASCAR said, well, you know, he kind of, you know, did it on his own and this, that, and the other. He went below the yellow line and, and uh, you know, NASCAR, again, used their judgment. You know, and I think what happened Sunday was um, a lot of people were upset, but Denny Hamlin went below the yellow line because basically Matt D. Benedetto was was basically blocking all sides of the road 
and push William Byron down there. And Hamlin had nowhere to go when he got to turn three. There was just nowhere for, I mean, in the turn four there, there was nowhere for Hamlin to go uh, because of the block that, that D Benedetto threw on, on William Byron. And um, I, I get that Hamlin drove, you know, three quarters of the, of the corner on the apron, but uh, at the end of the day, and he didn't improve his position, but Matt was blocking and, and, and guys were avoiding running into William Byron and stuff. So I think it, no matter what NASCAR called that day, that wasn't a, a penalty on Denny Hamlin. It didn't matter uh, at the end of the day, because the fans wanted there to be a penalty for Denny Hamlin for just driving below the yellow line. Uh, but he was forced there and that's why they penalized Matty D. Um, and that's why, you know, Denny ended up with the win. So, uh, NASCAR is consistently inconsistent, but the thing that really, the, the thing that really got me going after the race was, was seeing the drivers like Dale jr, you know, seeing media guys like Jim Utter, who we'll talk about in a little bit as well. Uh, and some of these other people that are saying NASCAR has got to get rid of the double yellow line. And I sit there and say, do we not remember the reason why the double yellow line exists? The reason why the double yellow line exists is partially because of Dale Sr.'s accident. Okay. If you look at what happened during that wreck, okay, uh, part of that was Dale Sr. was blocking and, and forced Sterling Marlin a little bit below that yellow line and caused him to get into Dale. Because there, you know, Sterling wasn't gonna go below the double yellow line because of the way because of where they were on the track. Now, obviously, if that was a little bit further down the corner, you know, getting closer to a trioval and Sterling went below the yellow line, that, that wouldn't have mattered back then. But because of it was a corner, you don't want to destroy your car, and there's only so much room to race, and the guys were already going three wide as it was, uh, that's what kind of helped contribute to the accident. And say what you want. But we had, I mean, oh, Sadler flipped a few times, I and mean, we had some other wrecks. It wasn't just Dale Senior's fatal accident. It, it was, it was, you know, uh, Elliot Sadler had a couple bad wrecks at Talladega. There was other things that caused this double yellow, yellow line to happen. And you know, I mean, there was a there was a moment in uh, the 2003 EA Sports uh, 500 where Dale Junior's driving uh, below Matt Kenseth on the back straight below the yellow line to win the race. You know, and that was when the double yellow line rule existed and they didn't call junior on it. So I think, I mean, of what I've seen from, from the late, the, the late nineties, early two thousands. And I watched a lot of those races as a kid, but I've, I've gone over the years and rewatched a lot of them because this double yellow line rule has kind of always been a, a problem for a lot of people. Um, I I've watched a lot of those gone back and watched a lot of those endings of races. And I think it would still cause a lot of accidents if you got rid of it. I really do. Because, because then you would have guys blocking all the way to the, to the grass and you would, you would end up having guys flipping and stuff in the grass. So I just, I don't know what, what the exact answer is. I just think NASCAR has got to be more consistent with the rule calling and their judgments. And that, I think that that's a thing. Uh, but I, I do think that it's one of those deals that we're just going to have to put up with. And NASCAR's just got to do a better job of using their judgment, in my opinion, uh, and, and just be consistent with the rules, you know, and, and how you enforce them. That's all. That, that I think that's the big problem NASCAR fans have with, with it right now. But I think I do think that that's got to stay. Now, we'll get to Charlotte. Uh, but I do want to talk about Jim Otter for a second. I, I know a lot of people were upset about this last night. And, and listen, I agree with you all uh, about being upset. You know, I think that 
despite, you know, Bowman calling himself, you know, uh, anxious Alex or, or whatever he, I, I think that was exactly what he said. He says, you know, welcome to anxious me or anxiety me. Um, you know, to go on Twitter and to make a hashtag and call it anxiety, Alex, I mean, you know, come on. I mean, what are we in like high school? You know, we're in grade school again. You know, I, I, I've said this before about Jim. I mean, you know, he's a, he, he is a journalist. I, I just, you know, he's been very, very, uh, you know, just, he's, he's a great guy to go for, for news. But if you follow his stuff and what he says sometimes, and how he talks and how he interacts with people. Uh, I think most of us that are that have been around the sport long enough know that Utter says some stupid stuff uh, and probably should have been suspended and or fired a long time ago for some of the stuff he said. I mean, it, there's no doubt about it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you know, in this in this culture that we're in right now and, and, and say what you want about it, you know, you could call it cancel culture. You could call it, you know, so, you know, a societal awakening, whatever you guys want to call it. Um, I do think Jim Utter is going to have to answer the bell here and, and I'm not calling for the guy's head, but I think he should, uh, at least apologize for what he said. Um, and he's refusing to even do that. So I don't, I don't know what, what it's going to take, but I think Jim at some point in time, he's got to take a step back and, and look at the bigger picture of life and understand that sometimes saying things like that on social media, uh, it does trigger people. You know, it does, it does get people upset. It does make people angry especially people that have problems, you know, dealing with anxiety, dealing with depression, dealing with those things. You know, I think this is one of the reasons why people don't say things, you know, don't say that I'm anxious. Don't say that I'm depressed because you have people like Jim Utter who just says something stupid on Twitter, uh, like calling, you know, Alex Bowman, anxious Alex. Um, even though Alex kind of said, welcome to anxiety me, that doesn't give you the right as, as the person to say that. It was just like when we went back and, and we were looking at some of the other topics that we've had this year where guys have said things, you know, whether it was the Larson situation, whether it's Mike Wallace, uh, you know, this day and age, you got to be so, so careful what you put out there in, in life and what you say um, that sometimes, you know, things slip. I get it. But at the end of the day, Jim Motor's got to own this and he's got to say, listen, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean this, you know, and he's got to learn that people do really get anxious. People do really have those problems. And I think that it's okay that guys have admitted this, you know, we've seen Bowman's admit it, you know, uh, Bubba Wallace has admitted it. And again, whatever you guys feel about these people is, is your own opinion. I'm not trying to say that you guys need to do anything about this yourselves. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is that I think, you know, in this day and age, especially media members, you got to be careful what you're saying. You can't, go out there and say things like this and not expect there to be some ramifications because people are going to call you out on it. You know, this is, this is the, the, the new society that we're living in the, the day and age. Um, people are going to call you out on, on stuff that you said publicly and you got to be careful. You know, you really do. And, and sometimes, you know, you could think things internally. You can think that, you know, certain things about certain people, but you just can't publicly say those things. And, and you even got to be careful on, saying things publicly on a private account too. I mean, we saw, we saw an instance of that with, uh, the NFL networks, uh, Ian Rappaport, you know, was, was on his own personal, t uh, Twitter, right. The guy goes out there and does a, uh, an advertisement for, uh, Manscaped, you know, and, uh, it's a personal care product and stuff. And he was doing an advert for him and the NFL network decided to take him off the air for, uh, about two weeks because he didn't run it by them to get it approved. 
So even then you got to be careful because you, you know, you, at the end of the day, you know, you represent the, the company that you're working for. Okay. And what you say is a representation of that company. So I think today, a lot of people at motorsport.com are, are getting a lot of flack about it. And I feel bad because I know, I know Nick DeGroote, Nick is, uh, I don't want to say a good friend of mine, but Nick and, and I are, are, know each other. I know Nick from, from back in my NASRAC days. Uh, and I've talked about this at great length in our 25th episode, uh, of the podcast. If you go back and listen to that, I talk about the NASRAC guys and, and how we're all connected. Uh, but you know, Nick's one of those guys I know, and, and Nick is, uh, is a great person, but you know, today, uh, motorsport.com is getting a ton of negative flack because of something Jim Utter said. And again, that's not a reflection of Nick DeGroote. It's not a reflection of their other great writers over there at motorsports.com. Uh, it's a reflection of Jim Utter. So, um, that's why I got to say about that with Utter, you know, I think again, great, great news resource, but sometimes you got to turn off, uh, you got to look the other way sometimes with, with what he says, cause he says some stupid stuff and, and that's never going to change with Utter unless somebody actually cans him from his job. So it is what it is. Um, but getting to the Roval. All right. So, uh, the Xfinity race and the downpour, I know a lot of people, uh, we're up in arms about it. I get why NASCAR ran it. I get why the Speedway wanted to run it. It it was, um, you know, one of those races. I mean, we had to get it in. You know, I don't know when they were going to run it. Um, the lighting situation was horrendous. I can't believe they didn't have enough lighting there. You know, to run that race um, with total lighting. I, I just, I can't believe it. I, I just, I don't know what they're doing, but they got to do something better. You know, they really got to make it better for the drivers, make it uh, brighter. Um, I know they did that for the cup race, but it didn't really run into darkness issues, but they should have done that to begin with. They should have had the additional lighting. They should have done a better job. Um, you know, you could slap uh, Speedway Motorsports on the wrist for that one. That's totally their fault. Thank God we didn't have a serious accident because of it. Uh, but, you know, you got to do a better job. You got to be better prepared for these possibilities. I mean, you know, there's a hurricane coming through or the remnants of a hurricane coming through, you know, that it's going to be dark to begin with. You should have had more lighting there. That's, that's the, the end of the day. That's the facts, Jack and, uh, Bruton Smith's, uh, operation there, Speedway Motorsports, Marcus Smith and everybody there at Charlotte should be, uh, should be ashamed of themselves. I mean, that was, that was totally a unprofessional way to handle a situation that you, you knew what you were getting into. You knew that this was going to be, a, a downpour, you knew that this was going to be a problem. And if this race ran long, you were going to need that temporary lighting to be on point. Not to, oh, wow, it's really dark. We should have done a better job. No, get the right amount of lighting there beforehand. I saw that whole thing, the whole documentary on them uh, getting the lighting ready for the for the, uh, the uh, Winston All-Star race. Okay. And all the amount of time it took them to get that done. And you mean to tell me that this group that, that works so closely at Musco Lighting couldn't have figured out how to light the damn road course? I mean, come on. So totally, totally, you know, just just unacceptable effort out of Charlotte Motor Speedway and uh, Marcus Smith and those guys. I mean, you know, uh, I know they're all about the fan experience, but I mean, geez, I mean, get the, get the damn lighting correct for the drivers. I, I don't get it. I really don't get it, you know, and uh you know, thankfully they, they supposedly had the right amount of lighting on for the, for the cup race, but, um, still it's a day late and a dollar short, you know, and that's what it is. And, and they're going to have to live with that. 
you know, uh, for, for, uh, for a bit, because, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not thrilled with that. I think that's a, that's a bad job on their part. They should have known better. And, um, you know, the fans should demand a, a, a better, a better, uh, treatment out of, out of the facility too. Cause that's just, that's ludicrous. You know, that's cutting corners. That's just, just, you don't cut corners on safety. You really don't. And, and they really took a big risk in their hands and thank God the drivers, uh, you know, didn't have more accidents than they did. Really, 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 uh, good job by the guys, uh, driving that race, but a big win for, um, Almendinger, you know, another race that Briscoe kind of threw away there late, um, you know, but a great battle between those two, uh, but a big redeeming win for AJ Almendinger picks up his second win of the season. Uh, you know, guys, guys that basically were already in trouble as far as the playoffs go, were the guys that got eliminated in the Xfinity series. Uh, nobody, there was no real shocking elimination or everybody that was in trouble basically got eliminated. Uh, and Ryan Sieg moved on to the, uh, the round of eight for the first time ever. So great job by the RSS boys. And, uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens. You know, we've still got Briscoe and Cindric in the thick of this th- deal. You still have, uh, Justin Allgaier in the thick of this and, uh, Brandon Jones is lurking somewhere and we got Kansas coming up. So we'll see how that all pans out for those guys. Then move on to the cup race. Uh, you know, again, another win for Chase Elliott, a big win on the Roval. Uh, you know, despite the loose wheel coming to the green flag to start that final stage, Chase Elliott works his way back through and, uh, gets the W a big win for Chase. It advances him automatically onto the next round. Um, and then, you know, you just had some chaos. I mean, this, it was funny in the beginning, uh, my girlfriend and I were texting back and forth and we were talking about how boring the race was, but once the slicks went on, once the track dried out, it became an exciting race again. So racing in the rain was a little treacherous. I think everybody was being respectful. Everybody was giving each other enough room. Uh, but boy, once you saw those, the the track dry up enough and, and Ty Dillon won that first stage basically by taking slicks before most of the field did, um, it was the right call. And after that, it was just, it was, uh, it was on from there, but a great run for Chase Elliott, a great, um, day for them and a heartbreaking day for Clint Boyer. You know, he was, he was running so well early. He led most of that first stage, um, then got caught up in an accident later in the race that, uh, knocked the power steering out. And, uh, he was physically exhausted after the race, unfortunately had to go to the infield uh, medical center, but Clint's okay, but physically drained. Uh, after having to basically manhandle that car around that racetrack for the last, I'd say 40, 40 ish laps with no power steering. It was a, a tough race for Clint. Um, but Clint did get eliminated in the playoffs as did Kyle Bush. Kyle had all kinds of problems. He had a flat tire at one point. Uh, and then they stayed out, uh, on the, on that late race, uh, restart when he should have came down pit road. Uh, he got passed and then he had to take uh, fuel with two laps to go and um and eliminated him so kyle bush is out so is boyer so is uh, austin Dillon, who had a great playoff run um just had some troubles early in the round obviously had some issues at talladega and um you know we're on to the uh the next round so we're going to go to kansas and we will talk about kansas here on the other side of the break here on the crew chiefs corner podcast this is bobby bailey All right, guys, back here on the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. This is Bobby Bailey. We are coming to you with a little bit of uh, late breaking news. I'm trying to I'm trying to get it. Um, 
But apparently, oh, this is not going to do what I, here we go. Nope, still can't read it. That's great. Um, but anyhow, there was a article I just saw. And I'm trying to get out of it on my Twitter. Um, we are looking at possibly Matt Kolick starting in a, a full-time cup car starting in 2022. So that's some late-breaking Adam Stern news. That's a Stern bomb, as we, we've been calling him recently. Uh, so he's looking to uh, possibly add a cup car. I know he's been dabbling with it a little bit uh, this year. He had the the uh, car for Justin Haley for the Daytona 500. Uh, all indications are that uh, Justin Haley is going to drive in Cup starting next year uh, for uh, Spire Motorsports. Uh, that was the hot rumor that's been going around the last uh, few weeks or so. But it sounds like uh, Matt Colleg is going to go Cup racing in a couple years um, with the new the next gen car, which is going to be pretty cool. Um, so let's tie up the couple of loose ends here. Um, basically I, I spent a little bit of the break looking at, uh, any fallout from, uh, Jim Utter saying anything because, um, I'm looking at it. Uh, apparently Jim Utter's just blocking people left and right. I mean, that's no surprise either. He's blocked people all the time. Um, so I'm, I'm not surprised with that. Um, Zane Smith has just announced literally just breaking news. Uh, GMS has announced that Zane Smith will return to the team in 2021 for the full truck series season. So Zane Smith back in the 21 truck next season for GMS racing. Um, but I still don't see anything on the Jim Utter side of things. So I guess we will uh, get get you up to speed on, um, on that. I have not seen... Um, I have not seen Jim uh, tweet anything today. So, um, he has not tweeted anything. So take that for what it is. Um, anyhow, let's get to Kansas. We're going to have a big weekend. We have all three series. All the entry lists are posted on the crew chiefs corner, social media, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on Facebook, I'm going to get it on Instagram as soon as this podcast is over. So you'll be able to check it out on there. Stay tuned. We will cover all the latest on the Jim utter story. Uh, that'll be on our social. We'll try to get that all out there. And if anything breaks, we will bring out the debrief. At a retirement, we'll bring the debrief at a retirement, and we'll do a quick video on there as well. So uh, be sure to stay tuned for that. For this weekend, I mean, you know, guys, I, I think it's a mile and a half. Um, you know, I think Brandon Jones is going to be a real strong car to beat in Kansas for the Xfinity side of things. I think in the truck series, you, you know, look out for for Grant Enfinger, look out for Brett Moffitt. Um, I think, uh, you know, Zane Smith's going to be a contender. Those are the three guys I would keep an eye on in the trucks. Xfinity, Ryan Sieg, I think he's got a real shot at this deal. Uh, these guys have been pretty good on the mile and a half. So they bring uh, that piece they ran at Las Vegas earlier in the season. They bring that car back. They'll have a really, really good one. Um, and then we will also look at um, the Cup Series. You know, I think the Cups, I mean, I'm sorry. And then Cindric and Briscoe are the other two people I'd watch out for in the Xfinity at Kansas besides Brandon Jones. And then on the Cup side of things, um, I, I think your dark horse would be Kurt Busch. I think more likely people that are going to win, I would, I would keep an eye on Joey Logano. I keep an eye on Harvick. They always seem to run well at the mile and a half. Um, this year and Denny Hamlin would be my, my other third main pick that I would keep an eye on. So, uh, pretty status quo weekend. I think if, if everything shakes out the way, I think it's going to, um, with how 2020 is gone, but I do think that, uh, you have an opportunity maybe for some strategy and maybe a surprise winner, 
uh, and the trucks are Xfinity, but I think Cup's going to pretty much be decided between the the big powerhouses over on the Cup side of things. So for all the latest news, be sure to follow us on all the social. That's going to roll right after this uh, segment ends. I appreciate all the support. Be sure to share the Coochie's Corner podcast with all your friends. We're available on most major platforms. You can also check us out on Twitter. Uh, I mean, on uh, Twitch, twitch.tv slash Giants, like the football team, 02122. And also on YouTube, just search Coochie's Corner. You can catch the podcast recorded live, and then we upload it to our social media, I mean, to our uh, podcasting platforms immediately after. And uh, go check out all other 29 episodes that are on there, as well as the NASCAR for Rookies three-part miniseries, which will get um, three more this offseason. So really looking forward to doing that. And uh, the season's uh, rapidly approaching its finale. You know, we're we're uh, three races away from finding out who the championship four is going to be. And uh, we are getting ready for that. And we'll have our season finale out at Phoenix. And then we'll probably take a week off. And then we'll do our uh, postseason stuff. And uh, before you know it, we'll be ready for Daytona in 2021. Hard to believe. So that's it for another episode of the Coochie's Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. We will catch you guys probably uh, later in the week, maybe early next week. We'll do another episode. Try to get you caught up on Kansas. And uh, until then, have a great week. And uh, be safe, be well, and uh, enjoy the races out of Kansas. Thanks for listening to the Crew Chief's Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at the Crew Chief, on Twitter at the Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chief's Corner, TikTok at Crew Chief's Corner, and on the Anchor app at anchor.fm. Thanks for listening.